Jen and Drina here with Finding Your Five. This podcast is based off the concept that you are the average of the five people you hang out most. So you want to elevate your life? Surround yourself with good people. And the individuals we are interviewing, anyone would be lucky to have in their group of five. Hey, Fivers. Hi, friends. Trina, how's life? Dandy. Um, given that it's cold outside, I just want to curl up with a book. Yeah, a nice warm blanket, fireplace. What Kids else? are quiet somewhere else. <laughs> no one's home. Maybe maybe this dream is like you're on a vacation by yourself. It's just one of those dreams that are just going to stay a dream, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of a book. You can transport yourself into a world where the kids aren't there. You're so right. That's true. Does that help you? Yep. And some silence headphones maybe would Ooh, help. I like that. I like that plug. Steve, get her some of those. <laughs> um, we had a very, very interesting, really fun, amazing guest. Yes. She was amazing. She is your go-to. If you need a recommendation for a good read... This is who you go to. She's the book guru, if you will. Yes. Writer, reader. Kim Christensen was on the podcast. Her handle is TalkWordy to me, or you can find her at TalkingWordy.com. And she provides lists of books in all different genres. And if you are wondering why reading is so important, we talk about that in this interview. And if you weren't motivated before to get into some great books, you're definitely going to see the benefits after hearing this interview. Yep. She also has an awesome company called Promptly Journals. Mm -hmm. She created Loom Journals. It's a journal between the parent and a child. So they write back and forth to each other in this journal. And there's also one for husband, wife. Oh, I want that one. And (laughs) (laughs) my my husband's here and I feel like his eyebrows indicated otherwise that he didn't want one back. You want to write back? You want to write little love notes to your wife? He said he did, you guys. The microphone's not on. That's what I'm going to say from now on in my life. Like when I meet people and he doesn't say what I want to say, I'm like, the microphone's not on. He's saying <laughs> what he's supposed to say right now. It's fine. It's fine. So if your husband's a little more romantic than mine, or if you want your husband to be more romantic. I mean, they don't necessarily have to be love notes, gif. You can talk about your day with each other. Yes. And you can bring up goals that you have. And then you could write back on ways that you could support her in her goals. <laughs> Awesome journal idea. Help connect with your kids. Connection's so important. That's one great way to do it, especially if your kid isn't much of a talker. This would be a great way to help open up a conversation with them through writing. But I also think what's so great about talking with her, Adrena, is that I don't want to say reading's become a lost art, but it's definitely on the decline. And Mm -hmm. talking to her has reminded me the importance of having that as part of your daily diet and to and it's something to work for if it's not something that comes naturally it's something to work for and to create space for she even goes into kind of the the backstage kind of things of writing a novel Mm -hmm. um some of the tips and tricks that she uses to make sure to develop good characters and so even if you're wanting to write a novel this episode Mm -hmm. is for you and if you are feeling like reality isn't the best, we talk about how fiction is an important aspect of your reality. You can learn so much 
She was a delight. And Kim, can't thank you enough for coming on. Let's take it to this episode. Like, share, subscribe. Kim, we are so excited to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to be here. I've seriously been counting down the days. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, look at she builds us up. (laughs) You are this major, like I would say, book writing guru. You write tons of reviews. You've read a lot of books. 2020, am I right? 45 books you read in 2020 alone? Yes, about 45. That's a record for me, though. I'm not like a little Miss Speed reader. I I like to take my time and, and really soak the books in. So 45 was a lot for me. I'm not one who's like, oh, I want to I want to read 150 books a year. I'm like, I would be too worried about getting through them that I right. wouldn't enjoy them. So but I have found that the 45 was a good number. So I'm like somewhere between 40 and 50 books feels like a happy medium for me. Wow, that's amazing. So I guess my first question for you, Kim, is in your opinion, what are people missing, adults specifically, who don't have reading consistently in their daily diet? Oh, man, we could talk for a full hour about this. But so one of the reasons we love stories so much as humans is that it feels satisfying to read something with a beginning, middle and end. And to have something that's encapsulated between covers, uh, this story and these characters and this world, and to be able to read that and experience it and then close it at the end, it makes us feel a sense of control. And it makes us feel the characters are everything. A good writer will write characters that help us feel less alone in the absurdity of life and just the ambiguity of life. And sometimes, you know, the tragedy of living those books and those stories and those characters can help us feel less alone. And oftentimes they come to feel like friends, you know, and this is where we start to get really nerdy. But we see ourselves in those characters and the stories we read. And there's really something deeply comforting about that. So so that would be one one answer. But the other is that reading comprehension and internet literacy is becoming more crucial than ever because think about all the information that's being thrown at us from so many angles, from, from the internet, mm-hmm. from podcasts, which we love, from <laughs> books. There's so many opinions and so much advice and And if you don't know how to sort through that, if you haven't learned reading comprehension and literacy and how to differentiate fact from fiction, you're you're going to be lost in a sea of information. And our children will too. And you will just feel overwhelmed and overstimulated. Whereas when you experience books, fiction and nonfiction, you learn how to sift through information and opinions and stories and find the truth. Um, So psychologically, reading, again, both fiction and nonfiction helps us learn to distinguish truth from error and fact from fiction. It's a really important skill for us as adults and, of course, our children. Just two more things I want to add because this is my soapbox. (laughs) No, I love it. There's some quotable lines here. I'm like getting goosebumps. Yeah, keep going. Oh, gosh. Well, you're my people then. Um, Okay, so... Just the simple little quote I love from Chris Riddell is, a good book is an empathy machine. And that's what reading does for you. It opens up worlds that you wouldn't normally encounter unless you went immersed yourself in these stories. Because you think about all the different people on the planet, you only get to interact with this many. 
-hmm. your life. But when you read, you are entering the mind of someone else. And and hundred, you know, this year I got to enter 45 different people's lives. You know what I mean? Their opinions and their experience and their background. And that just opens up my mind because I'm able to think new ideas and hear new things and meet different people, go different places that I wouldn't have been able to, especially this year, you know, like Mm -hmm. just, just from the comfort of my home. And that's magic. There's magic in that. And it teaches you empathy from picture books, which are for adults as well, you know, from picture books onto the highest literature and everything in between. They open your mind and they allow you to allow you to experience life from a different vantage point and gain more empathy through reading about and thinking about different life circumstances and different thoughts. So I think it's not just a luxury. <laughs> Reading is not just, it is for fun, but it's also important. It's important to be a member of society who reads. <laughs> so there's that. And and the last thing I'll say is that scientifically, reading does so much for your brain and your well-being. People who read live longer than non-readers, according to a study by Yale wow. University. Yeah. Reading helps you stay cognitively adept and it's exercise for the brain and so many reasons to read. And yes, I have to say, if you choose not to read, then you're missing out. And if you say you don't have time, I don't accept that. <laughs> Everyone has time to read. <laughs> She's like, I won't allow it. That was my question. What if you don't have time? No, it is a good question. And people ask that a lot for sure. It's it's a valid question. Um, no, I was just, no, I was just going to ask you, um, I think it was... You're on Good Things Utah, I want to say, and you listed books that you were reading during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And you talked about, I thought you phrased this really, really well. And you said, these are the books that kept me company during this time. Yeah. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. It just made it a little more personal, your relationship with literature. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering how much did books comfort you or play a role during this weird time this past year? Oh, big time. Because the isolation this year last year, woo, last year, um, <laughs> was real. And I've, I don't know, as I've grown older, I've become more introverted in a, in a way that I love. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, as human beings, we need other people, whether yeah. you think you do or not, whether you admit you do or not, we all need other people. We all need social interaction. And where that was so, I mean, at some points there was zero, right, mm-hmm. outside of my family, which love my family. But man, after being in, in the same four <laughs> walls after. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> no, you have no idea, right? <laughs> right, totally. Oh, you just need to get out. And books were mm-hmm. a way to do that. It was a way to jump into, well, you know what? I know I have to like come and make some meatloaf or whatever downstairs and listen to some sibling squabbling, but then I'm going to England in my book. So so then you get to go there and you get to meet like-minded people and people that you are interesting people and feel like you're having conversations with them because you're a fly on the wall as a reader of this book. Um, And you get immersed in this story that allows you to, to go outside of your world without actually leaving your house. And that's amazing. So you talked about how you can have empathy while reading books. Do you feel like you have a stronger empathy for nonfiction books compared to fictional? Mm, that's a good question. I personally feel like fiction for me, at least in this stage of life, builds empathy 
more. I mean, that's hard for me to say because I don't want to choose between fiction and nonfiction, but there used to be a time in my life when I really just read nonfiction. And there's a lot of people like this that are like, no, like fiction feels like a waste of time. I it almost feel sacrilegious to even speak these words. But some people have said, you know, fiction feels like a waste of time. I need to be reading the self-help books or the business books or the, you know what I mean? And and there really is a place for both. And fiction, it's hard to put into words, but fiction is sometimes truer than fact. And fiction, there's something you can do. There's the freedom of it and the flexibility of it where you can slide in these truths that you just couldn't couldn't say as well in a nonfiction format, if that makes any sense. And, and sometimes in nonfiction, it's you have to stay within these parameters and these rules and you have to back up everything with research. And But with fiction, you're able to tell a story and use different names and, and skew some you know, mi- minor details in such a way that you can let the truth flow out uninhibited. For the most part, aside from like select memoirs and, and certain books that do this, I don't know, there's a special spot in my heart for sure for, for fiction and the way that it can build empathy. But then- but then I think of books like Moment of a Lift um, by Melinda Gates, and I'm like, that's definitely an empathy machine that will that will teach you to step outside what you know and outside of your privilege and recognize, you know, the poverty that's going on in the world and and what really changes that. So I can't pick between, but they're both valid in terms of building empathy. That's a great answer. <laughs> I, I approve of that. It's that's fantastic. The rubric, we're like ten out of ten. That was, that was amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. When you read a nonfiction book, the truth is already there. So mm-hmm. I just wonder if you use just a different part of your brain just to read for facts or if, mm-hmm. or maybe it's yes. all about the person who's writing it. Maybe it depends on the writer. Maybe they want yes. you to just get the facts or maybe they just want you to, I don't know. Yes. Don't this know. is a really good question and a really good discussion because I've thought about this a lot too, like the difference between and, and for me, it's really just based, like what I choose to reach for is really based on my mood. Sometimes I'm like, I cannot read like one more person telling me what I should do with my life or my thoughts or what, you know what I mean? Like sometimes <laughs> don't you feel a little tired once in a while of like hearing that? Um, but then if it's the right author and the right book, I'm like, okay. Or sometimes I just, I just need a story to get swept up in. I'm an intuitive reader. And I totally believe that <laughs> now we're going to just get weird. But I believe that books can happen upon you at exactly the time you need them in your life. I've had it happen too many times to just think it's happenstance that certain books with certain messages have made their way into my life. Not to get too personal, but can you think of the last time that that happened? Where you, where a book just, you just happened upon a book that you needed at that moment? Oh, get personal. Hmm. I, no, no, no. I like getting personal very much. The first time this, I really remember this happening. I'm sure it's happened before, but was Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nyquist. And this book was one of the first books I read on mindfulness and presence. And it was a message I needed desperately at the time because I I feel like I was caught up in the importance of busyness. And I, I needed permission to slow down and recognize the beauty in stillness and white space in your life and on your calendar. 
And that's exactly what that book did. Instead of glorifying busyness and achieving and the next thing and and visible, you know, recognition, it was glorifying the nothing <laughs> bits of life, the the slowing down and just being present with your life and the the beauty of saying no to things in favor of things that are more important. So yeah, that is the first one that came into my life at a time when I really needed it. And it felt like the message was custom made for me at the time. So thank you, Shona Nyquist. Well, I was just curious when you talk about these connections you have with books and good character development, how do authors write authentic characters that we relate to and don't fall into a trap of them being caricatures? Because I hate to even bring up TV, but I see that with TV shows sometimes I'll relate to a character and then by season five, they feel like they've glorified certain tendencies of that character and I no longer feel that they're a real person. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just curious how authors tap into that. I've learned some things um, about characterization. I'm definitely not like the end all be all when it comes to this, but some things to think about are, um, for me, you take that character on many dates. I feel like I'm when I'm writing a character, I'm dating them because I have to ask all those questions, those mm-hmm. first date questions, and you start shallow and then you go deep. You and I literally write them all down. Like I have these yeah. questions, and I I have a Bible that no one see, my readers will never see. Mm-hmm. You know when the book is published, but I know all about them because you have to to make them a whole person. Otherwise, they are a caricature and they are just like stereotypical and shallow. Um, also seeing them in your mind. I can't remember who it was, but one famous author, he comes up first with an outfit and then he oh. fills it in with the person. And so, so f- you know, oh. finding that person something unique to wear. And he's like, okay, well, what person, what kind of person would wear this? And that's kind of how he starts building his characters. Um, dialogue is a huge thing. So and it's hard. It's hard as a writer to come up with because when you're writing, you're you're writing words, but written words are different than the words we speak. And so really learning to tune into the way people really speak rather than the way they would like to speak or the way that they write is is key for character development. And and they say if you can pull out a line of dialogue from a story and you you know exactly who said it then you've done it well. But if any of the characters could have said that same thing, there's no real characterization in that. But yeah, characterization, that's that's the most important and also sometimes the trickiest to do well. So do you think that, maybe this is a blanket statement because I know everybody's different, but do you feel like people who read a lot and write a lot are very good at observing other people and tapping into their authenticity. Yeah. Are they the people watchers? <laughs> yes. And so when I I did my undergrad um, in English and in one of my creative nonfiction classes, the first thing he had to start doing was keep an observation journal. He's like, watch what's going on. That's all you have to do. And just like note it, just take notes mm-hmm. because that is the number one key. You hit it right on the head is just noticing and noticing their characterization, right? Because Mm -hmm. people are characters. And so, yeah, definitely. And yeah, and what you said about reading a lot, reading a lot, writing a lot, that's how you become a good writer. Okay, so I guess I'm not going to write a book. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Jane is like, I can't do it. That sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Oh, man, it is, but it's fun. It's like happy torture, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of, I'm almost... I'm I'm just being weird right now, but I'm thinking if I put together an outfit 
that I usually wouldn't wear, mm-hmm. but put together that outfit and then become that person once I put the outfit on. <laughs> oh, for yourself? I could have, yeah, for me. <laughs> I could have a lot of fun. Drina's been one of her characters in her unwritten book today, guys. <laughs> I love this. Now I need to see the outfit. Send us a picture. I would like to know. <laughs> I am curious though, when you talk about these outfits, I'm wondering, I mean, it's maybe, I don't want to come across superficial, but how much of what we choose to wear do you think reflects like our personal, our personality? It's a good question. So it's not so much superficial as it is telling. It's telling of your choices. Mm -hmm. And you're right. What you wear, like to an extent, it matters to an extent. It really doesn't matter at all. But the, the, the point there, I think with that author is that he's trying to understand, well, why is that person choosing to wear that knitted beanie in rainbow colors? Like, where did he get it? Did his grandma make it for him? Did he get it in Jamaica? Like, what? what's the story behind that? Why is he wearing that? Or why is he wearing the first, you know, five buttons of his shirt unbuttoned at the top? Does he want to show off his chest hair? Is he, <laughs> he, is he proud of his physique? It's more yeah. just telling of the character's choices. And with writing, you'll hear more than anything else, show, don't tell. And and visuals are so important in writing. The books that stay in our minds are the ones that we can see too. And so when you get visual like that and notice what what someone's wearing, it just can help you be a starting point to to understand who that person is, where they came from, and the choices they make. But it's definitely not the end-all be-all. It's just a, a springboard. Jen, if you ever wonder why I'm wearing something that I'm wearing, just <laughs> default to comfort. <laughs> default. With me, just default that the laundry's not done. I've been washing my kids' clothes for the last week, you know, and this is what's left. There's no story beyond that. Yeah. No, I hear you. So what's your opinion on, you know, you've read so many books. What are the key ingredients that make a book a good story? And mm. how do we implement those ingredients so our life story is one worth telling? Yes. Yes, this is a good question. So the voice, the voice of the story is really the thing that draws you in, draws me in at least, definitely draws agents in. I can tell you firsthand from talking talking to many as I've, you know, tried to publish some books, but um, it's the voice. It's the, it's the way you tell the story. And plot is important, but I don't think it's as important as, as voice and the way you tell the story. Because if you tell it in an interesting way, that's what keeps a reader coming back. And some people do just love the pure plot books. And, the, you know, sometimes I read those too, and it's fun and, and all that. But the ones that stay with you and that have depth are because not because of what happened in the story, but how it happened. So I think that voice and the style, just the way the person plays with words. And then, you know, like we talked about characters, just characters that you can relate to and that feel human, that feel real. And then, and along with those characters is, you know, characters that do things, that don't just sit there as bypassers and let things happen to them. And that's a really important ingredient for writing too. We want to watch characters who are proactive and who do things. They don't just let life happen to them. And to segue into your question about building our own stories, I think the important thing for building our own lives and stories that parallels books and what makes books good is that we need to recognize that we are the authors of our own stories 
that we can't wait around for someone else to make our dreams come true or to build the life we want. Oftentimes we sit and wait. We wait for a circumstance or a person or something to happen so we can be fully happy and so we can finally say, oh, this is the life I want. Mm-hmm. There is That doesn't exist. I mean, obviously there's certain milestones and things that can bring us joy, but it's really up to us to build the life we want for ourselves and to get clear on what we want life to feel like and to make room unapologetically for what we want in our lives and what we don't want in our lives um, to let go of those things. And I love the writer, Annie Dillard. She said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And I love that because it breaks it down day to day because we think long term so much. And and I do this. I totally do this. I'm trying to move to England with my family. It's a real dream of mine to go right in the countryside. Doesn't that sound fun? Oh, yeah. You guys want to come? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to do, right? And also, yeah, my kids will be there, so we'll see how much of that gets done. But <laughs> I like it. Me too. Oh, I'm so excited, and I it will happen at some point. It's just, but and it's so good to have those long term goals and these things that we work toward. But if we're not enjoying the process and the day to day of what we're doing, we're going to be let down, and that that's what we have to focus on is is finding ways to enjoy the day-to-day life we have because otherwise you'll get to the end of your life and be like, oh, well, there were a few bright spots, but mostly it was kind of boring. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so that's yeah. so important, such an important ingredient for writing your own story. And, and the last thing I'd say there is just to, just like in books, we love to read about people that we resonate with or who are interesting or who teach us something. Surround yourself with people like that. People who teach you something, who challenge you and take you out of your comfort zone, but who make you feel like you're also already really cool and amazing and don't make you feel insecure or belittled. Um, and also with that, surround yourself with people who aren't don't all just look like you and think like you have um, diversity in the people that you are around. And that's something I haven't always done well. I mean, sometimes it's come naturally when I've lived abroad. I lived in Australia and there was, went to a multicultural school with people from students from all over the world. Um, So sometimes you're thrown into those situations, but other times you live in the suburbs of Utah, you know, and you have to try a little harder. And so, so yeah, I think that's important too, is just, um, and forging friendships with people who aren't exactly in your life circumstance or come from your same background or situation. I love that. And I I think a lot of my favorite characters and stories is the supporting character, to be honest, you know, that best friend who has those brilliant lines, even though it's not their story. And so I like Mm -hmm. finding those people beyond your typical circumstance. Yeah. I do have a question (laughs) though, about what you've been writing. Yeah. So I wrote one, uh, the Place Between, and it's a dual timeline novel set in the English countryside. Surprise, ah. surprise. So I went there and I was just so inspired by this little village called Castlecombe. And in the church, there was a knight who fought in two crusades who was buried in, in the year, I don't know if I'm getting this right, I think about 1100. And I just stood there with my head spinning, thinking, what? Like, the only thing standing between me and this night is time. So I wrote this dual timeline novel where a modern day girl goes to this village and then discovers the stories of the past and how they intertwine with her own. And I just love that concept of 
the past and the present and how much they inform each other and how much they're still connected and and not mm. not separated. So I wrote that and I've written most of my life and had different jobs in writing and all that. But in terms of writing a full-length novel, this was my first one five years ago that I ever mm. attempted and finished. No one publishes their first novel. A lot of times we think we hear like, oh, their debut novel, and we think, oh my gosh, how cool they got their first novel published. The truth of it, most likely, uh, nine times out of ten, is that they've written four or five or more novels before. This is just the one they debuted with. This next one I'm writing, I'm almost halfway through. It's just fun. And it's about a girl, Nellie, who lives in Connecticut, in small town Connecticut, and works at a bookstore called The Bookery. (laughs) What were you going to say? I need to know. I grew I'm from Connecticut, what? like born and raised. Like, I mean, I've lived in Utah now half my life because I went to college here, but 18 oh years gosh. in Connecticut. So oh. you say that and I'm freaking out, but that's cool. <laughs> okay. Well, we need to talk more because I could use, I've only been there once and <laughs> okay. I need to learn from you. <laughs> okay. So continue about the novel. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Excited. Well, of course it's in the fall, Connecticut in the fall, yes. which by the way, when I went, I, so I went there for the Gilmore Girls Fan Festival because I love the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Kent is where they held this fan festival okay. and before all this COVID stuff went down and, and it, it felt like we were in Stars Hollow because it's just this quaint little town. Yeah. We went in the fall. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. magical there. So she works in the bookery, which is okay. this place I dreamed up, which is a bookstore bakery, which by oh the way, I would like to actually create one day in real life. Yes. Yeah. Goodness. So that's where it's set. And it's just this girl, Nell, and she lives in her world of books. And she's had a little bit of a rough past with her parents and um, she's disenchanted with love and yeah. She's yeah. independent. She has her job at the bookery. She's the purchaser there and is very happy until one day the bookstore owner says, we are struggling a bit. We need to bring in some new merchandise, try some new things. And so there's these trendy socks that everyone's going crazy about. We're going to put a sock rack in the corner. And she's like, no, we're not. <laughs> it's like, this is not a Hallmark store. Yeah, we need- yeah. No. And so she's just distraught over this because she thinks it'll break the spell of the bookery, which, you know, there's the regulars and it just has this feeling yes. and this vibe. And mm-hmm. and so, but she's in charge of interacting with this little hipster entrepreneur who's decided that he's going to make his millions yeah. off of socks. And so she's interacting with him over email. He's actually kind of witty. She's like, oh, that's annoying. And, and yes. then- you know, finally they meet and she has all these assumptions in her head. And then he comes in and she's like, oh, oh, okay. He's actually really cool. And I'm kind of attracted to him, but I'm not going to let him (laughs) get into my head. But then it just, it turns into um, kind of a romance. And she says, at some point, she says, you are going to read my romances, these books that I love to read. And you'll, and you will come to find that books are and fiction is so much better than real life and then he says okay but in return i will show you that life and living is better than your world of books and so he takes her out to these places and opens her eyes to the world and then it just yeah goes from there okay i want to read this book i'm serious (laughs) like love the storyline oh thank you so much that's encouraging do you think people can ignite a love for reading later in adulthood if they didn't have it in childhood? Yes. Emphatically, the answer is yes. It just takes finding a good book and a good run of books. 
Because when you find that book that you're so engrossed in that you neglect your children and your family, yes. you love reading. And so you just have to find the right book and find people you trust to get those recommendations and reach out to me. I love giving recommendations. I love it when people ask me what to read or what they're in the mood for. And, and I share books. Um, librarians do that too. That's what they're there for. Reach out to librarians. They even have like personalized reading recommendations. Some libraries do. Um, start a book club. If nothing else, go for the food and then you'll yes. get caught up in the books. And also another tip is audiobooks that can help you segue into reading and enjoy it if you get a really well-read audiobook. And also another one is find a movie that you want to see, but read the book first. And it makes it more exciting and motivating to get to read the book and experience it and then to watch the movie. Because especially when you really like a book, watching the movie, I know a lot of people get funny about it and they're like, oh. It's not as good as the book, but it's that's not even the question. It's just for me, I love to see and appreciate the adaptation. Of course, it's not going to be the same. It's a film. There's different rules there and parameters mm -hmm. for those mediums. But it's fun because when you love a book and it's hard to close it and end it, it gets to live on and you get to experience it from a different viewpoint and from a different angle when you watch the movie. So that can be a fun way to spark that that love of reading. But yes, definitely just need to find the right books. Yeah, that's a great idea. That is a good idea. And I noticed on your Instagram, you mentioned you mentioned some tips on how to read more. Can you share that with people yeah, who maybe haven't seen that? Yeah, we talked about time and you said bull. <laughs> called, called our bluff. Yes, because, and one thing that I've said before is if you had time to watch Tiger King, you can read a book, okay? <laughs> like for sure. Or any of this stuff, yeah. not knocking watching that, but just like, if you have time to watch shows or movies, you can watch, you can read books and it doesn't have to be all at once. You don't have to read a book in a day. I rarely, if ever do that. Maybe I think I read a book in like two days this year, you know, a couple books, but for the most part, I take my time and I read at night. So, so three tips that I give people are one, save shows and movies for the weekend. Cause I love shows and movies. Oh guys. And opt for books before bed during the week. It's such a cozy ritual to read a book and then fall asleep, especially a hardcover book. I don't like listen in bed or read, use my um, e-reader before bed because there's something about reading a book that helps me get sleepy. And even if it's just reading for 10 minutes, that adds up. So um, yeah, read, make a ritual of it and read before bed. Another tip is to always bring books with you, Rory Gilmore style. So when you're in a line, when you're unexpectedly waiting somewhere or at a doctor's office, bring a book with you so you can read instead of scrolling or whatever else you do. And then the third tip is, is to get into audiobooks. Like I said, like there are so many audiobooks that are just so, such great performances. Some books I say, no, you have to listen to this one. Don't read the hard copy. Like My Lady Jane, for example, you have to listen to it. Mm -hmm. um, I, on my list this year, I have Dutch House read by Tom Hanks. There's so many books that are, that are well read and well performed. And so audiobooks, so that while you drive or while you clean or, or do projects around the house, um, or go on a walk, you can listen to a book and get through it that way. There's always time. I love that you mentioned like bringing the book with you because I think about my mom when she would pick me up from extracurricular activities and she'd always have a book in her car. And I fear that the smartphone has replaced that. And I'm just curious, do you know, is reading on the decline with social media and just the low hanging fruit of like quickly grabbing your phone? 
Yes, reading is on the decline since smartphones came into play. And I remember researching the number at one point. I don't have it in my head, but it's sad. It's sad that it is it is going down, people reading books. But we can bring it back up. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's bring it back up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Start the challenge, you guys. Easton will bring Toss the back. phone and grab the book. Easton and Nellie will bring it back. <laughs> Easton and Nellie will bring, bring it back. Reading. <laughs> oh. Okay, so little game. I think of that, you know, when people are looking for boys' names or girls' names when they're having kids and there's that like name finder online and it's like if you like this name, maybe you'll like this name. And I this just will feel be like a good fit. Yeah. Yes. And I just feel like given that we have the book guru on, <laughs> might as well get some some tips. Name so, some babies. <laughs> name those babies. Book babies. <laughs> So we're going to just do a speed round and um, ask you some of your suggestions on this. So this first one is a personal favorite, and I haven't found one to match it for me yet. Where the Crawdads Sing. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, that's a personal favorite too. So we can't replace it, but I will offer other suggestions. Yes. I would say Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes because the atmospheric setting, it really builds a sense of place. So I would say that one. Um, that would be my first suggestion. Before We Were Yours is kind of a similar, I, I don't know if it's as close of a comparison, but but the strong female characters and the gripping story and a little bit of, you know, suspense. Um, and then one more. <laughs> Apparently I have three for this. I love it. <laughs> uh, the Secret Keeper by Kate Morton. In fact, yeah, I would say that one and Giver of Stars the most because Kate Morton is so good at at building a place and the setting. And I feel like that was part of why I loved Where the Crawdads Sing. So those are a few to okay. to try. Okay. Yes, I haven't found my Where the Next Where the Crawdads Sing. So I appreciate that. Okay. Beach Read. I love that book. Okay. The Bookish Life of Nina Hill would be one like that because it's also witty and the character development is so fun and the romance element. Okay. So the next one is. Brene Brown's books. Okay. No one can match Brene, but we're going to say Glennon Doyle's books would be amazing. The most recent one I read was Untamed and Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. I've heard of both of those. They're both along the vein of empowerment. Yeah. So those are some good ones. Okay. I'll have to get on that. Um, Atomic Habits. Yep. Atomic Habits. I would say Essentialism by Greg McEwen for sure. A must read. Even a muster read. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon Hale, her books. Oh, she's one of my favorites. Okay, Gail Carson Levine is, she's the author of Ella Enchanted. And then the other one I'd say is Liesl Shirtliff, who wrote um, a series of fairy tale retellings like Rump, the true story of Rumpelstiltskin. Those are great. Um, I don't know how you even come close, but the Harry Potter series. Um, I don't think I can answer it and maintain a clear conscience, but we'll just say, again, a caveat. You don't replace Harry Potter. Right. This is not about that. It's just, if you liked it, you may like um, The Mysterious Benedict Society or anything by Jennifer Nielsen. And I say that, Jennifer Nielsen, because my daughter is a big Harry Potter fan and Jennifer Nielsen is the only other well, not the only, but one of the only other authors that she's been as engrossed in as she was in the Harry Potter series. She oh, loves okay. Jennifer Nielsen. She's 11. So just so you have some um, background, but but that's a great one. 
I'm 11 at heart. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And then we have the Junie B. Jones series. Yeah. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Junie B. Jones, but I would offer Ivy and Bean, Heidi Heckelbeck, or Hey Jack as alternatives. So we both have boys that are in love with the Dogman books. Mm, okay. I would say the Comic Squad series. So fun. Okay. Yeah. The Comic Squad for sure. My son loves those. And with that, the Lunch Lady series. They're they're both graphic novels, but really fun ones. And there's a whole – we could talk about graphic novels forever. There's a bunch of amazing ones. But those are the two that felt most like Dogman to me. Okay. Yay, they're going to branch out. Yay. (laughs) The gateway. What is the book that coming up that you're most excited to read for 2021? I know you have your list. What are you most excited to dive into? Oh my gosh, there's so many. The Midnight Library, I'm really excited for. Just the, you know, tie to books and the magic of it is one that I'm really excited for. And then another one that I've heard great things about is The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane. So those are a couple I'm excited to read. I have like five more questions I could ask you, but I'm going to have discipline and let you get back to your life. Any books that you're going to snuggle up with tonight or writing (laughs) projects. (laughs) This was so much fun. Thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about. And now I want to dive into a a book. Yeah. 